Keeping It With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is brought to you by TKM Incorporated. This company located in Moss, Tennessee, specializes in erosion control, hydro-seeding, hydro-mulch, silt fence. They do minor excavation work, and they also provide traffic control and construction signs. Their mission is keeping people safe. Their passion is wishing that all men could be saved. TKM stands for The King's Men. If you'd like to contact The King's Men, you can contact them at 931-243-3958, 931-243-3958, or you may email them at tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. That is tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. The King's Men, in partnership with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. SJL General Contractor is a full construction company that primarily focuses on civil construction and asphalt sales in the Huntsville and Fayetteville regions. Services they provide include, but are not limited to, road construction, asphalt material, underground utilities, site work, and demolition. They employ heavy equipment operators, concrete finishers, pipe layers, and CDL dump truck drivers. If you would like for this company to work for you on your project, or if you'd like to work for them as an employee of this family-owned business, you can contact them at 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660. Or three W's and a dot, sjnl.com. That's www.sjnl.com. SJNL General Contractor is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones. Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. It was the summer of 1984, and I was living in a fellowship hall in Alexander City, Alabama. Now, how does one end up living in a fellowship hall in Alexander City, Alabama? Now, when I, I talk about the fellowship hall, what I mean is I'm in the other end of the fellowship hall, and there's a tiny little cubicle attached to the kitchen. In the cubicle is a partial closet with a hot water heater, or actually it's just a water heater. You don't heat hot water. There's a cubicle that's got a, 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 the little closet with the water heater. I have two file cabinets and a door on top of them. That's my desk. I have a bed and a bathtub. And the room is so small that I can stand up in the mornings on the edge of the bed and step directly into the tub to take my shower. I ended up in Alexander City, Alabama in the summer of 1984 because I'd been invited to be a youth minister there. Now, in the modern era, if you call and say, hey, Lonnie, we'd like you to speak at this event, or if you text me, or if you Facebook me, or if we're standing in a conference somewhere and we have a conversation about possibly me doing something for you, the response you'll get is send me an email. And when I get your request via email with the details, the location, the date, the time, that kind of stuff, I'll send you a confirmation and without a direct confirmation from me, we don't have an event. Now, why am I so OCD about something like that? Well, that's how I ended up living in a fellowship hall in Alexander City, Alabama. James Cullens, a, a guy that I respected greatly, had held a, a series of lectures at the church I was working at when I was in high school. 
and we had become friends and I really, really respected Brother Cullens. And uh, he's very influential in some of my speaking style because I liked the way he used illustrations to make points in his lessons. Between he and Marlon Conley, I guess they're the best two illustrators of, of public speakers that, that I've ever heard. But uh, Cullens and I were at some place and we were having just passing conversation. And he said, you know, hey, one summer you should come down and, and work with the kids at Alexander City as like our youth intern. I said, oh, I'd love to do that. Well, in the spring of 1984, I ran into Brother Cullens again, and he said, hey, remember you promised to come spend the summer with us this summer. That's, that's not what I remembered. But I had such respect for Brother Cullens and was not in a position to say, sir, you've misremembered that. I said, oh, yeah, I'll be there. When, when do I start? And so I moved to Alexander City, and my accommodations were the fellowship hall. Now, what is there to do in Alexander City, Alabama for a single young man? You've got to remember, my girlfriend lives in Velvet Ridge, Arkansas. Now, this is the, the summer that she was my girlfriend. When I returned to school in the fall, she would become my fiance. And by December of 84, we would be married. But I'm in Alexander City, and, and my girlfriend is nine hours away. I don't have any way to communicate with her except by phone. The Internet had not been invented. Nobody even thought about cell phones in those days. So I could not text, I could not tweet, I could not Facebook message, I could not instant message, I could not do anything other than write her a letter or call her on the phone. The phone was attached to the wall, and MCI charged 10 cents per minute for long-distance phone calls. And so you had to wait to call her after 9 p.m. at night because the rates dropped. The only other thing to do than pine away your days wanting to see your girlfriend in Arkansas was hang out at Lake Martin. Now, there was a guy that attended the church at Alexander City named Don Kelly. Don's girlfriend lived in Albertville, Alabama. And if you do the math between Alex City and, and Albertville, she might as well have been in Velvet Ridge, Arkansas. They were several hours away. And so when I would finish my stuff at church and didn't have an activity with the young people, I'd hang out with Don. Don lived on Lake Martin. Now, when I say lived on Lake Martin, I mean his driveway was a boat ramp. How does a, a young, independent, single accountant end up with lakefront property? Well, there had been some kind of a tax fiasco, and this gentleman named Randall Youngblood, who was a survivalist, had not paid his taxes, and Don took over the property. Now, when Don took over the property, he discovered that Mr. Youngblood had uh, created shooting ports in the attic. He had a grove of fruit trees that he was pollinating with bees, and he had dragged brush into the slough, and legend has it that he hung rotten meat on it to attract water moccasins so you could not attack the Youngblood compound from any waterborne operations. And so when I would go over at Don's house, and we would ski, and we would cook out and, and he would entertain guests. I'd spend the night there lots of times on the weekends and, and always in the back of your mind, is this going to be the day that, that Mr. Youngblood comes back and tries to reclaim the property? And so there was always just a little air of paranoia. So what did you do in Alexander City other than wait for the inevitable return of Randall Youngblood? Well, we would ski till dark. And then after we would ski, we would get in Don's uh, John boat and we would patrol the sloughs and the backwaters of Lake Martin killing frogs. We were the frog busters of America. Uh, Ghostbusters had recently come out. And then when we weren't doing water operations, we would ride around on the power line trails in Don's old Jeep. 
and we were hunting gremlins. Now, what is a gremlin? Well, I'm, I'm glad you ask. Gremlins were made popular, not by the little movie with the little fuzzy animals. They were sort of illustrated in that movie, and that became what everybody thinks of when they think of a gremlin. But gremlins actually were invented, quote unquote, or created in the early part of the 20th century by the Royal Air Force pilots. And the RAF pilots used the term gremlin to explain any inexplicable mechanical malfunction in an airplane or any inexplicable pilot error. Now, when you start researching, you know, where does gremlin come from? And you, you know, look in the book of fairy tales or goblins and stuff. Gremlins really didn't come around till the 20th century. And most people think the word is a, is a portmanteau. And, and a portmanteau is you take two words and you blend them together to make a new word. For instance, podcast. Podcast is a portmanteau of iPod and broadcast. And you stick the two together and you, you have a podcast. Well, Gremlin is a portmanteau of the idea of a goblin, a little mythological fairy creature, and Fremlin, a very strong, very popular beer among the RAF pilots. And so if you could combine a goblin and good German beer, you could probably come up with why pilots did the things pilots did and why things that went broke on airplanes went broke on airplanes if you combine goblins and beer. In the spring of 1984, I turned 21. And most people, when they turn 21, have some thoughts about beer, German or otherwise. I'm a teetotaler. My family were teetotalers. The strongest thing I've ever had is NyQuil or Granny Wallace's cough syrup that she kept in the back cabinet. But I've never been a drinker. So when I turned 21, what was on my mind was not alcohol, but firearms. And I've always wondered about the ATF, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. You should call them up sometime and ask them, does a red wine or a white wine go with a 12-gauge shotgun? That being said, I wasn't interested in alcohol. I was interested in, in a gun. And at age 21, I could get my concealed carry permit, and I could own my first pistol. And I did. I, I had a Ruger 357 Security 6 an old black pistol that I put Packmire grips on, and I kept uh, rigged up in an inverted shoulder holster. And so as we would go out in the evenings looking for gremlins, I was always sufficiently armed to deal with said gremlins. After one such adventure, we'd come in late at night from riding the trails at Don's house, and we're going to spend the night and get up and go to church the next day. And so Don went to the master bedroom at the far end of his house, and I slept in the guest bedroom. And somewhere after midnight, I guess, I opened my eyes, and the way I was sleeping in the bed, I could see out of the guest bedroom and to the uh, glass sliding doors that went out onto the deck, and I could also see the big plate glass window in Don's kitchen just right over the bar. And I opened my eyes, and staring back at me was the perfectly shaped head of a gremlin about the size of a volleyball with these perfect pointed bat ears running off to either side. And my, my thought was, okay, so one followed us home. We've been hunting gremlins and now they're hunting us. Well, I flopped my hand out of the bed and it came to rest on the, the cool Packmire grip of my 357. I rolled into the floor. I crawled out into the living room. I propped up on the chair I dropped my front sight on the gremlin. 
I eased my back sight to get the windage proper, and then I backed the hammer on that 357. And I was waiting for an ear to twitch, or for the head to bob, or for it to even slightly turn. And to quote Wyatt Earp, I was going to make a canoe out of that head. Don apparently was awakened by some of this. In the Jack Reacher novels, Jack Reacher says that he can walk into a room and tell if it's occupied or not. Well, something in Don's psychic ability awakened him from his deep sleep, and he padded out into the dark hallway and said, Lonzo, Lonzo, what are you doing? Shh, there's a gremlin. You're going to spook it. A what? It's a gremlin. There's no gremlin. Don, there's a gremlin. I'm going to shoot it. Let me cut the light on. Don't cut the light on, Don. You'll spook it. Well, Don, cut the light on. Now, I'm not sure what shocked Don the most, the fact that we were going to have to do battle with a gremlin or that you've got a crouching Lonnie Jones in his whitey tidies holding a 357 Magnum locked and cocked in his living room. Turns out that the gremlin was a mother-in-law plant, a plant that says uh, it, it's a mother-in-law tongue. It's a, a plant with these bladed, pointed ears. And this is Lonnie Jones not making comments on mother-in-laws nor their tongues. But this plant had this little, in a little round potted plant and then had these two perfect-shaped gremlin ears coming out of it. And it was nothing more but a potted plant. But I had convinced myself that I was indeed staring down or being stared at by a gremlin, and I was prepared to shoot through the window and kill the gremlin. <laughs> it's amazing that when you start looking for things, you can find them. If you're in a relationship with the church, a company, a spouse, a friend, a neighbor, a group of people, and you decide that you're going to look for injustice, you'll, you'll find it every time. You'll be so convinced that it's there, you're ready to, sh you're ready to shoot. Ready, fire, aim. I if you're looking for fairness, and you really look for it hard enough, you'll be able to explain away anything and come up with the idea that, hey, we've actually got fairness. I recently doing a class on marriage, and I had my class decide what they're looking for or what they remember in their relationships. Are you are you focusing on things to celebrate or are you focusing on things to regret? Are you looking at times when you share affection with other people or are you sharing resentment? Are you thinking about us or are you just thinking about self? When you tell the story of your history with this person or this company or this organization or this group of people, is it positive or is it negative? Is it harmony or chaos? Are you describing the story of you, you and the church, you and your spouse, you and your in-laws, you and your adult children, you and your grandchildren, you and this political party? Is it satisfaction or disappointment? And, and really looking for is what we're actually going to find. Very, very rarely do we have enough self-insight and enough honesty not to have confirmation bias. I was looking to be offended, so I got offended. I'm looking for reasons to be sad or dissatisfied. I'm looking for reasons to be satisfied. I'm looking for reasons to feel hurt. I wanted to feel included or I wanted to feel excluded. And, and whatever it is, 
that you're looking for to explain the unexplainable. I don't know why I don't fit in with these people. I don't know why these people don't like me. I don't know why I always feel like a victim. Well, sometimes explaining the unexplainable about why we don't get along with other people or we're not satisfied in relationships or we have a bunch of regrets or a bunch of negativity is is as simple as hunting gremlins. Because you see, if you hunt gremlins long enough, they will either find you or you will convince yourself that you found one of them. Keeping up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure is sponsored by us. What? We sponsor ourselves? Is that even legal? Check us out on Amazon. You can have access to the titles of Pedagogue, the youth ministry book by Lonnie Jones, Cognitive Spiritual Development, a Christ-centered approach to spiritual self-esteem, Grappling with Life, Controlling Your Inside Space, a small essay using the principles of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to talk about psychological and emotional self-defense. If I Were a Mouse, a children's book written and illustrated by Lonnie Jones. And then The Selfish Real, a very short story about a decision. Also, you can check out our YouTube channel to see archived lessons and presentations from across the country, some videos with uh, rope tricks and knots, don't forget to visit the uh, Facebook page 550 Guys to learn about the little rope men that we make and in, that we invented and that we make. And then be sure to click like, subscribe, and share. This is Keeping Up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. Mm-hmm.